one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hello everyone and welcome back to Brother East podcast. Um, got Tom Foynes back on the show. Don't need to do a big lengthy introduction. Um, how you doing Foynes? I'm alright mate. Um, I'm going to sound more nasally and gruff than normal. Um, which is usually pretty nasally and gruff anyway. But it's times 10 at the moment because um, I, have you heard of COVID? There's something that's going little bug that's doing the rounds um, but I've managed to catch it Is it the first time you've had it? It is the first time, yeah I've, I've had like two years of being pretty ultra careful as well so I, I am a little bit indignant that the first time that I go to London in, I don't know like, yeah, like a year um, on the train, I've managed to pick it up, but you know these, these things happen. And, yeah. In that there London, hot. yeah, yeah, no good can come of it. But uh, yeah, it's just one of them things. So yeah, apologies in advance if I sound uh, like my head is full of cotton wool. That's all right. That's all right. Like you say, you know, at the best of times, it, it generally is like that anyway, isn't it? So you know, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's part of the appeal, mate. That's why we get you on. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, what it does do, weirdly, like because I was feeling a bit sort of. Uh, like very um, out of it and just a bit knackered obviously so I was watching the game last night and I'm sure we'll we'll talk about it but it was the oddest experience to sit there and watch I don't know if you've ever seen like watched a Spurs game when you've got flu or something or when you're really really unwell and you just kind of don't really feel like it's happening and and everything just looks like a massive effort like it was making me feel a bit physically sick when I could see the players breath so I was like, fucking hell, like, if I tried to do anything like that now, I think I would actually die. And like, not no hyperbole, I think I would actually pass away. <laughs> it, it just wouldn't be something I could deal with at the best of times, let alone feeling like I was. It's a strange experience. It's, yeah, yeah I, I can't think, I mean, I'm touch wood. I'm sort of one of those people that doesn't really tend to, I haven't had COVID, um, at least not knowingly. And I don't often, I think I've maybe had the flu once or twice in my life, don't really often get colds. I'm just sort of one of those people, you know, that doesn't doesn't really get ill uh, too often. But I've watched... Bit of a legend. <laughs> Double R'd um, is the word you're looking for. <laughs> but I've watched it, oh, I'm R'd, speaking of Double R'd. I've watched Spurs many years ago... Um, intoxicated on a non-alcohol substance and that was very weird like actually kind of watching football something that's grounded in i was on magic mushrooms and uh it was just watching on the tv but watching something that was real as opposed to watching something abstract so instead of watching like 2001 space odyssey or something like that and being like oh wow it's all so deep look at the colors and stuff looking at people kind of doing something 
real <laughs> was it really spun me out and I didn't like it at all like it was horrible not to uh, not to do the police's job for you and I'm not digging for information but for you or for them rather um what what year would this have been like I'm just trying to work out what what Spurs team this would have been that you would have been sitting and watching so this was during my second or third year at university which was let me think 2005 or 6 and i seem to recall i think i i think we were playing birmingham and i think robbie keane scored right yeah that could have been worse yeah i mean you think of the work the awful teams that we've had that you would have to <laughs> submit yourself to watching under the influence of heavy hallucinations <laughs> I kind of feel like 2005-2006 is probably a good era yeah it, it, yeah it was fun then wasn't it actually to be fair it was fun yeah it, that was those were the days yeah was was young... it, remember when football was fun I, I don't really yeah yeah well let's Sorry. let's start with something fun all right yeah we beat Brighton last night great um Harry Kane the most away goals in Premier League history Put that in the fucking trophy cabinet, shall we? <laughs> um, it's pretty pretty mad, really, considering he's gotten there in like over 100 games less than Wayne Rooney, yeah. who used to be heading up the chart. Um, I mean, he just <laughs> he just needs to leave Tottenham, doesn't he, really? That's <laughs> yeah. kind of the end of it. Um, you were in sort of passing. We were talking about his miss in the early stages of the game. Um, it was a bit unlucky, wasn't it? Don't you think? I, I kind of, I don't. You, yeah. you, sort of, you expect Harry Kane to put that away, but I do feel like his his body weight, the momentum of it, all of it. Yeah, I think he probably could have taken another touch and given himself a better, or as a equally good a chance of scoring by sort of settling himself. But as he was, it seemed like he dug his foot into the ground a bit to try and get enough pace on it so that the keeper didn't have a chance to get back and in the end he's he's screwed it wide so yeah he's a bit unlucky um but it, yeah these things happen don't they i've seen plenty of strikers miss that sort of chance just because it's it's not on their favored foot so <coughs> yeah you know it, it's just one of them things but he he had a really bad first half i think i don't, I don't it was horrible i thought he had a pretty horrible game yeah yeah a really good goal um him and Son as well. Just Son is is really struggling at the moment. But yeah, Kane in particular. But then you know you look at that pass he gave to. I think it was Regulon, uh, possibly after we'd gone two 0 up. I think when space started open up on that left hand side, and he he drilled a couple of really amazing balls. And it just those glimpses where you you can see that even when he's not at his best, it, there are still these little moments of quality. Which, as you say, he needs to leave Spurs because he's if he left. And joined, you know, City or you know, God forbid Chelsea or Liverpool. Like hypothetically, he'll have players around him that would finish those chances. But when he's sort of passing the ball to Regulon, bless him, he's just there's just no. We're not clinical enough really to take advantage of it. So uh, yeah, even even when he's not on his best form, he's still doing stuff, and he he did look very good in those little moments. I mean, I know it is one of those like whatever, fuck him if he leaves Spurs and who gives a shit. But if we just strip that kind of emotional knee-jerk reaction away from it, I would, you know, I sort of fear for the lad that he's going to end up at Manchester United and it just seems like it's going to be such a stupid move for him because 
I think he's just as likely to win one of the big ones there as he is at Spurs. But with that, he'll also carry the kind of the added shame of him going to sort of Manchester United and still winning nothing. You know, it's. Mm. Uh, I don't think he'll score as many as well if he went to United. I don't see. I see that as a in a very similar way to what he's got set up at Spurs at the moment. The, the players around him, if he were to go to Man United aren't as good. Like, is Sancho better than Son on form? Probably not. Um, is their midfield... I'd say definitely not. Definitely 100 you know, not. No, yeah. for sure. Um, their midfield, Fred McTominay, and I know Fernandez is okay, but yeah, <laughs> we've seen already when Fernandez isn't the one taking penalties, his numbers don't look good. And, okay, that might be a decent partnership, but I, I put it this way, I see Spurs as in with as good a chance of signing someone like Fernandez to support Kane as as is likely Kane would go to United and have the exact same setup. So I just don't think the players around him would be good enough. It's it's City and City alone, isn't it? That's the that's the extent of his options and it is just gonna be a case of do they want to go back in kind of tail between their legs, especially if they lose the league this year as well. I, I do think if they're going to drive a hard bargain, Levy can be like, you you desperately need him and we don't desperately need to sell. So how much have you got? And it's going to be a case of possibly how far back are City willing to row on their decision to only offer like 80 million or whatever it was in the summer. So it's a, it's a tricky one for Kane and I think he'll, he would probably do well to keep his mouth shut for the next six months, in my opinion, regardless of what happens because he could talk he could talk himself into a little bit of trouble, but we'll see. Do we see? I feel like we talk about this every time I'm on this pod. Kane's future is horrible, isn't it? It's just one of the <laughs> biggest issues, isn't it? But yeah, I mean, no more, uh, no more golf course trips with Gary Neville for the time being. H, if you can, please, mate. That would be uh, that'd be great. Yeah, exa- that's exactly what I'm talking about. Just, just, it, I think he probably learned a bit of a harsh lesson in the summer, and. If if it's true that his brother was advising him and all this, then you'd imagine it was all part of the play for sort of a four month assault at leaving the club. Um, and I just think it was it was very badly advised, and it showed potentially in the start that he made to the season. And who knows where we could have been if he was on this sort of form. You touched on Sonny there. Are you worried about him? Because I'm sort of I mean. He's always been it right. We we know Sonny's always been a streaky player. Um, this feels a bit more prolonged than that. Now I don't want to, you know, I don't want to dive straight into my sort of Conte criticism, and I don't even think this is a this is a criticism per se. But I sort of I get the feeling that some of the best football we've seen from Son, unfortunately, was under Jose Mourinho, when it seemed to be that he I don't know he gave Son a bit bit more of a, f- a freer role or at least emboldened him to be more one of the stars of the team um I mean we sort of saw Son struggle at times under Pochettino really when he was relegated to being essentially one of the supporting cast behind Harry Kane and to me at the moment it feels very much like that's what Conte wants him doing again you know he wants him there behind Kane contributing to the play and not really having his own his own freedom to express himself, shall we say, as one of our senior figures in the team. 
and I, th- I think it's I do feel like it's hampering him I think probably part of this is invariably as well just Son having a bit of a dip in confidence and a bit of a dip in form like we generally see from him but like I say, to me, it it feels it does feel a bit bigger than just some being streaky. I mean, do you sort of see where I'm coming from at all? Or yeah, yeah, it goes hand in hand though. His confidence with his form, like I think he's potentially a little bit more sensitive to when things aren't going well. Um, but but I think the biggest problem with Son is the exact same thing we've had with Kane but it doesn't get talked about anywhere near as much, is that as soon as he's even 75% fit after a, a short or even medium-term injury, he's straight back in the side and playing 90 minutes. There's nobody in the squad that... And, and this is a bigger problem to do with the squad, not just Son, that there's no real alternatives to lighten the burden and to ease players like Son back into the team. Um, it would be exactly the same as if Kane got injured uh, you know there's no backup striker and similarly there's no goal scoring winger that we've got on the bench that would immediately replace Son in a must win game so it's tricky I can't remember what his last injury was but it was around Christmas he came back he scored a couple of goals but he hasn't looked at it really since probably January and I just think the poor lad needs a rest um, and it's probably similar to, to a lot of them. You look at is that same eleven started today as started at Old Trafford. I dare say the exact same eleven, if possible, will start on Sunday against West Ham. So, it, I just think I, I'd be looking at the fixture list and thinking, okay, when's he going to get his rest? Because you just can't really trust Lucas or Bergwijn to just come in and, and take those minutes. Um, yeah, I think it could be as simple as that. It's tough, isn't it? Because there's that part of me, like, there's a sort of almost knee-jerk to it where I think, like, well, uh, maybe maybe Lucas can, but you're still kind of like, well, if Son's there, if he's not actually injured, you just you want him on the pitch, don't you? Because he can yeah. sort of crop up with those goals that we've well, look, seen. Look at Salah last night, and I know this is a huge false equivalence, especially now. Um, you know, at one point we were probably equivalents with Liverpool, but it's, it's very much not the case now. But Salah was injured last night, and the three they started up front with was the new lad, uh, Diaz, Jota and Mane. You know, and they brought Firmino and, and Salah off the bench. Like they, That is options. That is the definition of options. You can change the system, you can change like uh, it, yeah, the order in which they come, like they interchange and all of that. But yeah, when you look at the drop off in quality of Son to Bergwijn or Son to yeah Lucas, it's it's not good and it is a little bit worrying. So um, Kulusevski's taken a lot of the heat off, though. You know, I think if if Kulusevski wasn't around or hadn't come in in January, I think Son's form would have been a lot more stark. So we're quite fortunate in that sense that we've got someone who can take a bit of the burden and fingers crossed in the summer will continue to kind of supplement that load because we, we we are getting caught out by this so often. And we did it with Kane for years. It, we, it was a joke, wasn't it? The whole thing boiled up into the Champions League final that the guy was rushed back from an ankle injury to play before he was ready and he didn't look right and you know, that was an opportunity missed. Um it's, it's always the same with Spurs. Our key players get injured, we've got nothing to back it up, and then they're rushed back. And 
we suffer for it long term even if we benefit short term i wouldn't be overly surprised um if there's quite a number of them you know son included who are carrying sort of like those smaller injuries like that need a minor surgery to correct it but they don't want to put them under the knife yet yeah we've sort of seen examples of that in the past i think yeah. the chelsea was one of those um lest we speak his name the better um <laughs> eric lamella another ironically um i think ryan sessignon even has had this kind of issue and you know it's a real shame for sessignon because he just cannot seem to really get a, a yeah a string of games together you know yeah this felt like his latest chance and i thought he was taking it as well yeah, same. Um, i really did i i don't know why i'm so invested in sessignon i i I don't even know if I am, to be honest. I'm not sure what I'm talking about. I just, I just, if you were to ask me, gut feeling, who I want to, let's say it was a split decision between Sessignon and Regulon, and you asked me to just say, who do you want to keep? I'd pick Sessignon. Oh, same, hundred percent. But I would have done like a a year ago. Like I, I don't know what it is. I just feel like there's this player that we've not yet seen in Sessignon and. I also, on the flip side, feel as if I've seen everything I need to from Regulon. He's a perfectly fine player, but I don't think he's right for the Premier League. Again, that chance he got last night was just maddening to see him just yeah. do nothing with it. You know, it's... Well, he had two. I think he had two very similar chances, Regulon. And if you're going to play a system that relies on wing-backs being potent, either in terms of... you know. Up and getting up and down the wing and being present in every attack and every defensive scenario, um, plus chipping in with goals and assists. I don't think he's quite got the numbers in him. Whereas, and I know again, he's got a very similar record, if not worse than Regulon. I I know this is not. I'm not coming from this, coming at this from a particularly statistical point of view, but I just have this feeling that Sessignon has got something that if he was given. If he could stay injury free and, and and he got himself a run of games, we might see it. And I thought we were starting to see it, but you know, it's it's, it's funny, isn't it? Because sort of touching on this, I, I did feel like it was a. I don't think personally speaking, I don't think Spurs were particularly good last night. But mm. getting a two nil win away at Brighton, whatever form they're kind of in at the moment, is still it's a good win. It's, it's so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sniff at that. I did. It did bother me to see Conte again leave it very late to make substitutions, like what we sort of have been talking about here in terms of the the squad fatigue and everything like that. But it just seems to be again whether he's making a point or whether it is just literally the facts of the matter that he doesn't trust really anyone outside of this like yeah. squad that he has now. Well, at least the starting yeah, eleven. Yeah. I completely agree. Um... And it feels like uh, a sort of watered-down version. I know it's really easy to make these comparisons or, or a, it's a bit too easy to, to sit here and compare it to like when Pochettino first came in, but around about probably February or March, we realised that Poch had about 13 players that he trusted in the team and it was the first yeah. 11 plus, I think, like Lamella and maybe... Um, uh, like. Nor I don't know. Maybe I can't remember exactly, but it, I remember it being an extremely small pool of players, and then it was people like Kirikers and Paulinho and uh, Soldado would only get minutes if it was like absolutely necessary. So 
we might be seeing a similar thing now. I think the difficulty is is the 11 that are on the pitch, if we didn't have to play them next season, say if Conte got everything he wanted, you'd imagine probably only about five or six of them would still be on the pitch next season. So I I think it's an, it's an okay strategy to try and embed your system into these 11 players, but longer term I don't think a lot of these players are actually going to be around so I don't I just don't know how much it matters do you know what I mean Mm. it's I don't know it's a difficult one isn't it um what I did want to say there on on Brighton's form they are not they they were they were horrible yesterday and they're obviously not doing well at all at the moment um does this take the the kind of gloss off of someone like Graham Potter for you a bit just whilst we're talking about Conte and his future and potential candidates to take over at Tottenham. Yeah, I guess so. I guess it's difficult at clubs like Brighton to... You are going to have these moments and probably more of these moments than the the sort of highs that they've had, aren't you? I think that's... It's inevitable and natural and I don't really know because I think they lost... Dan Byrne was a really good player... Uh, for them, and I think losing him is a big blow to a side like Brighton. It's a it's a big player that they've got. They haven't got a striker. I think that's always been a problem for that them. Malpe's horrific, isn't he? He he's very hot and cold. I mean, in another life, he'd have been a Spurs player. Honestly, yeah. just it, or if Kane didn't come good and we were still struggling to sign strikers like for a decade, the last decade or so, he'd have, he'd have definitely been in a Spurs shirt at some point. So it doesn't take the shine off. I don't think he... I think he's doing as much as he possibly can and I'm sure that he'll kind of turn this around. I think it's difficult when you look at... Potter is so seemingly so well regarded and he's probably on the short list of quite a few clubs. Um, it, it just I just think the focus is on him a little bit more. It doesn't seem like they're in like a Bielsa's Leeds kind of slide. They're not conceding shitloads of goals as far as I remember. Just a bit of a difficult moment. I still like him. I still consider him a, a candidate, and I think we we are not in a position to um, turn our nose up at Graham Potter. I'll be honest. It's funny though, isn't it? Because I I still I because I really like him. I really like the way he has Brighton playing mm-hmm. football, or at least yeah, how they were for quite some time. Um, I do just I don't know. I do, it, it, probably because I'm a Spurs fan, but. I still think it's a bit silly if it's true that he kind of turned his nose up at Spurs because I just I just don't think managers in his kind of position can can do that. You know, you, I just don't think you can turn down the opportunity to manage a club like Spurs at yeah. that point in your career because all it takes is another season of Brighton looking like this and he falls into Eddie Howe sort of territory again. Like, yeah, that's a very good point. Yeah, so it, that is a really good point and a really good like-for-like comparison. Um, although Howe's sort of fallen on his feet, I suppose, isn't he? Um, but I, it it depends though, doesn't it? Because I imagine Pochettino again, just to take it back to him. Um, I imagine Pochettino was given a little bit of a, a like we Spurs were a different club when he took over. Put it that way, we were still that team that was kind of floating around fifth and sixth. Um, and we had quite a few young players and a lot of expensive signings that weren't quite shining. And 
but then I imagine his remit was kind of look, just get us playing again, get us motivated, see what you can do with the squad as it is, and then he turned it he turned it inside out a little bit. With Potter, if we did approach him, let's say at the time we got Nuno, uh, I I don't think he'd have been given the same talk. Do you know what I mean? I feel like he'd have been he might have been given the impression that this is your lot and this is a good squad, like an expensive good squad and you need to get results immediately, that kind of thing. And pushback on that would be better received from Conte than it would be from Potter for if you're Daniel Levy. So did any of that make sense? I've got yeah. absolutely no idea what I'm talking about. Well, I'll, it doesn't... I mean, I've been sort of banging on a, about this type of thing on the timeline. I mean, we'll expand it out into into Conte because it is the sort of elephant in the room. I don't want to sort of shove everything up front with this, but I mean, you know, we're back in our sort of yo-yo again. We've won this game and one would suggest that we're probably means we're going to lose the game on the weekend to West Ham, who, I mean, they're not in the best sort of form themselves at the moment either, despite having started the season very well, but we always know how they show up against us. Um, and, you know, given our form at the moment, it, it is a bit of a worry. Um, I don't really want to talk about West Ham at the moment, but I do just sort of want to talk more about Conte and about how Tottenham are and touching on what you were saying there with Pochettino, because I'm still sort of in this place with him where, you know, he kicked off again before the Brighton game, talking about how he might leave in some of we don't match his ambition and everything. But... Like, what is that exactly? You know, is it is it £150 million every single transfer window? And I know you'll have people saying, oh, don't let Levy off the hook, don't let Enoch off the hook. But what clubs actually spend that much money? Really, it's City, PSG, Chelsea, not anymore, hopefully. Um, <laughs> it's Manchester United who are still doing that without a, a great amount of success. So, I mean, do do we just kind of just chuck money at him constantly, you know, every single transfer window, or he's going to leave? You know, because I'm not, I just don't really see at the moment what this is. Um, because I was talking to somebody on the, let's put it this way, I was talking to somebody on the timeline about the differences between Tottenham and Arsenal at the moment. And I was saying that, fundamentally other than their kind of momentum and the fact that players seem to be more bought into Arteta and everything that's fine he's had a couple of seasons to establish that that is kind of part of the problem with Conte but let's just put that to the side for now if we're looking at what we've got on paper I see Spurs as a largely we're like a pound land Manchester United in my opinion we've got a squad of pretty drab average players that is supplemented with a few absolutely top of their game world class footballers. Yeah. Whereas to me, Arsenal have a solid, a consistently solid squad with plenty of options in every position, but they lack those. They've got a couple on their way. They've got Saka, maybe Martinelli, who are kind of on their way to the t- to the very top, I feel. But at the moment they don't they don't have anybody close to a Son or a Kane, for example. Um, that real kind of superstar in there. Now, they're the sort of team that I could see if they brought Conte in and said, here's 150 mil, 200 million this summer, 
go out and get Vlajevic from Juventus or whoever. You know, go and get a big striker. Go and get a big commanding centre back or a real top world class midfielder. Go and do that, and then make a fist of it for the league. I could, I could, funnily enough, see Arsenal being primed for something like that. Where Tottenham are now, because what we're seeing, what we're seeing is clamouring for. Still, I'm seeing on the timeline. Please, 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 let us get Dybala. Please, 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 let us get insert name here for big fee. What's that going to do for Tottenham at the moment? Like that's that's. I don't feel that we're in that place. And I know people say, oh, you know, adding great players to a squad isn't going to make us better. Are you stupid or something? But look at look at Manchester United. Look at Paris Saint Germain, for example. Like we don't seem to at the moment have a solid core. We're seeing a, a perfect example of this. Is we added. A player like Bentancur, who I'm not, I'm not taking anything away from the lad. I think he's a very solid, very shrewd acquisition, but he's not spectacular. He's not, he's not an absolute worldie. He's standing out for us because he does really particularly fundamental things really well, and we've been so starved of that for so long in our team. And that's great. That's a great start for me. We need to get more players like that in, right? But that's not going to keep people happy because we're not going to we're not going to win the league immediately. We still need, in my opinion, we need to add seven, six, seven, eight more players of that kind of Bentancur or thereabout standard to this squad for us to be anywhere close to challenging with the likes of Liverpool and City anymore. And that, to me, is something that's going to take several years. But I, I just don't see how we're going to get there with Antonio Conte when. Every other week, he's going to be saying these players aren't good enough. These players are not up to my standards. The sc- the team isn't matching my ambition. Blah blah. I mean, mate, we've added two good players in, like two very good players in January. You know, there was a there was a commitment there to spending money. We shipped out most of the players you didn't want. We haven't even managed to sell them. We didn't manage to sell the Celsor and or in Dombele. They're just out on loan at the moment. So these lads we brought in, we're just adding on top of the squad already at your behest. So, you know, and, and I get it. I understand it. People will say this is what Conte did. This is what he did at Inter. This is what he did at Chelsea. But he he left those jobs eventually. And they were also in a completely different position to what Tottenham are now. Um, yeah. So kind of roundabout way is of, of me saying is like, I, I, I don't know. There's, I just, I'm, I'm not. I'm not entirely sure. I just I don't see the vision. I don't see what it is that we're yeah. trying to that either of us are trying to achieve, Conte or Tottenham here at the moment. Cool fact: A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Yeah, I agree. I don't think we are the club that can do what he is kind of demanding. And I also think it it sets a really, it sets the fans up 
for a, a, a really difficult summer because you see it in the comments. It's difficult not to read on Twitter like the comments underneath these articles because there is one every week from Conte about his future. And I was, I was talking to a couple of people in the week um, and they were asking... Uh, it was uh, Dan Kilpatrick, and, and they were asking Dan, like, why is this coming up every single time? And he said, well, it's just... You know, it's just the national newspapers. That's what they ask. If it's it's the narrative, it's given um, given them what they want, if you like. And the argument was like, well, you know, it's every single week. It's like, well, yeah, but he's sort of also offering up this information every single week. He's he's not batting the question away, and he's not straight or to call it straight batting it or whatever you call it. He's answering it and going on these long conversational like mini rants about what he wants and what he needs to see and stuff like this and i also think the the fact that he's saying the same thing over and over but acknowledging that fact is also quite telling because i think he does want to say this stuff because otherwise he'd go look lads i've I've talked about this but he kind of doesn't he sort of says that and then he says about (laughs) 10 other things like that give journalists and whoever else and fans a new angle to kind of look at and i don't think that's helping matters because we know what spurs are like and i'm not saying that's a bad thing i get that we definitely should have invested we missed huge opportunities at times not giving pochettino a signing for 18 months those were criminal mistakes of a football board or of a football club that was in the position that we were three or four years ago like on that cusp of we've all we've got to do is shut the door behind us now that we've made it into the house you know like we've got ourselves above Arsenal we've got ourselves above Man United and we really could have just kicked on a little bit and I'm not. We have made mistakes, but we are also a club that has made good teams out of pragmatic and forward-thinking signings, young players like Kulusevski. It's a good but, indicator. But go back, look know. at the look at the Yol era, the Huddlestone, Lennon, exactly, all these exactly. sorts of players. You know, the Redknapp era was born of of that that ilk. You know, the the Redknapp team, or the, the the team that you had was you know Dawson and Carl Walker, uh, Modric, Bale. Uh, Defoe was a good example. I know he came back, but it, it was built of these these young, hungry players that we brought into. Okay, we might be the midstep in their career, but from my point of view, the stadium, the point of the stadium was to help us retain these talents once they got to the point where they think they've outgrown us, you know. And the idea is, you keep them here, you give them more money, and we'd never lose out on a young player again. You know, that's what I always considered that to be or what the point of the stadium was to be. And we've just got muddled because, as you say, we're going for Lo Celso and, and Dombele, who, okay, fair enough, they, they probably did fit the mould of the sort of player that we were after, or should be after. But at the same time, they were big money signings from pretty big leagues, and they came with pressure, and they were coming into a side that was pretty disjointed, and morale was low, and players were looking at leaving, and, and all of that. And it... it, it there, there is no strategy, and this is why I'm. I think I've said it on this pod before. I've said it on Twitter. I've spoken to mates about it. I genuinely don't think this rebuild has begun because you can't rebuild if you haven't got a forward action plan. <laughs> you know, you you can 
you can sell players that are not good enough anymore. Fantastic. That's what we want. Selling them for lower than the market, lower than what we would normally try to sell them for. Yep, that is maybe progress on Levy's part, on Paratici's part, if you like. But the players in, I mean, I don't know. I I worry when you look at the summer. Okay, January was okay, but the summer brought us Gallini and Brian Hill, for example. And Hill might be a good player, but he was loaned out six months later. True, so clearly. I mean... Yeah, there's a there's a mismatch in strategy there, isn't there? When you've got someone like Paratici who's there to do these sort of deals. Well, that's it. I mean, that's that's kind of thing because I would say that Devil's Advocate, because I don't entirely disagree with what you're saying, but I would just say Devil's Advocate would say, well, we signed Hill, Romero's very young, we've got Kulisevsky very young, we've signed Saar who'll be coming in, you know, next summer. So we 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 seemingly yeah. are aiming for <coughs> younger players trying to build something new but it it's tough isn't it I, I because i'm just like you say it's at odds with the figurehead of the club the man in charge at the moment um and what his vision is and his vision seems to be very much get me the players who can win me stuff now um and he may well have you know he said he said that he understands that the club want to buy younger players a different profile of players he said this in a in an interview sort of yeah. nearer the start of his reign yeah, but everything he sort of said since doesn't seem to <laughs> really resonate with that, or that at least let's say that he's particularly happy with that with that idea. Um, I mean, I just think one of the things I would say that does bother me about Tottenham. Well, there's many things that bother me about Tottenham, but in this instance, it, 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 around this idea of spending and building and I guess legacy planning, if you like, is that. We don't seem to want to. Okay, one of the best ways to put it is that you, you, you to throw back to your old tweet when we sacked Pochettino. We want to thank Maurizio Pochettino for turning us into the sort of club that thinks it can sack Maurizio Pochettino. And <laughs> um, we've never really, seemingly, the psyche of the club has never really climbed down from that point. Even when all the evidence, everything that's happening on the pitch is screaming at us. We are not yeah, that club. We're not there yeah. anymore. We aren't there. And there's, there's just there's a certain fair enough. All right, to dare is to do everything like that. It's the club's motto at the end of the day, and we dream big and realize this. But there seems to be a very real <laughs> hurdle in our way is it, it, that we are fundamentally not yet that team. We're not good enough. Like we just we just simply are not there. We we have been building the infrastructure, right? Whatever you think about Levy, whatever you think about Enoch. The training ground is there. Yeah, can it play left back? No, it can't, but I get it, right? Whatever. The training ground's there. The stadium is there. You know, we are going to be building hotels and a cinema. <laughs> no, but, yeah. no, but still, we, there's a, there's an infrastructure around the club and there is, there is a growing profile that is meaning that, yeah, we can attract, whether you liked him or not, Jose Mourinho to manage the club. You can attract... Antonio Conte, even if you are kind of dragging him by his heels, kicking and screaming to come and manage the club, <laughs> we can still get him in. We can get someone like Paratici to lure in players like Kulisevsky and Bentancur, who, you know, th- these are the type of players who we t- we would see in years gone by doing the rounds. If it doesn't work out at Juventus, they'll hitch up at Bayern Munich or Dortmund or Sevilla or do you know what I mean Atletico yeah. Madrid but now Tottenham are kind of in that conversation 
so yeah okay we the, the club is growing in that degree but we're not we're not Chelsea yet we're not Manchester City you know we are we're not even where Arsenal were when they were on the wane under someone like Arsene you know when there were the te- the sort of the, the death knell years of Arsene Wenger when they could still kind of go and grab maybe a Luis Suarez it didn't quite happen for them but they nearly got him you know because they still had that pull I don't think Tottenham are are there yet and we don't seem to want to accept that we're not the team that's guaranteed Champions League football every single year we're not the team that's going to be you know that's going to be filling this stadium every single season if we don't at least have something that people can enjoy um what what we Sorry to cut you, but I think no, that's a good point in. because what we what we were 10, 15 years ago was the team, the club that bought young players and made them into superstars and sold a superstar. Then we sort of became, in the mid-2010s, the team that bought youngsters and created superstars and kept superstars, and that was what Kane and Son were. But it got, what we needed to do was move on to the next stage or rather what Levy probably thought we needed to do was move on to the next stage, which was buy superstars, keep superstars. But that's not that's difficult to do when the bit beforehand has gone stale and we haven't really proved to anyone that we could buy a player and improve them probably for about five or six years. Like, I can't think of the last player that we bought who we genuinely have moved up a level from who we got them from probably since well son would be on that list yeah i'm, not, I'm just trying to wrap my brain at the moment there isn't is there it's a real it's not really because i mean if you if you okay so if we just take the idea that players will likely naturally get a bit better as they get older and stuff. So, you know, we had players like Dyer and stuff like that come in, who I'd say is probably yeah. a better player than when we signed him. But... Yeah. I mean, Trippier is a is maybe a good example, but it's not in the same mould as... as and, and this comes back to the idea of maybe we should have sold Dyer in 2017 or whatever it was for the 50 million that United put on the table for us. But at the time there would have been uproar and we would have again felt as if we were going back to that stage of buy young, create the superstar, sell the superstar. It would have been the same year as Walker went, wouldn't it? So it's, it's very easy with hindsight Uh, to say we should do this stuff, but yeah. And nobody wanted us to do it. And I didn't want us to do it. Of course not. But he was one of our best players. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, and it's, I think what it is is the bet. It's better the devil you know. Like I would, I don't care if our stadium is amazing and our training ground is amazing, and it means that we can go for you know, as you put it, like the Jose Mourinho level of staff um, for the football side of things. It's not what we're good at, and we have no experience in it. We don't have any experience in buying this sort of level of player and keeping them happy and building teams around these superstars. We just don't, we haven't done it. Our best, like players like Van der Vaart lasted two seasons. They haven't got that longevity in them necessarily because that's not the sort of club that we are. We need to be buying these younger, hungry players from, ideally, I still think we don't shop enough in the Premier League, but I also think that Levy has pissed off too many chairmen to, to do any business in in England anymore but 
there's definitely this is what I mean the stadium should be there as a kind of if you're a young player and Spurs come in for you the opportunity to play in that stadium and to train at that training ground should be the thing that clinches it and maybe an extra 10k on the wage packet you know the stuff that was genuinely holding us back from buying that best talent 10 years ago because we didn't have that infrastructure it's there now it's just we haven't got that same strategy because levy seemingly thinks that this this club is operating on a level that means we should be going for these huge players maybe that's unfair because i've got any none of us have got any idea what's going on behind the scenes but you can only go on what we're seeing recently and the last three years there hasn't been a signing up to kulazewski and actually and romero probably but that has really significantly improved us. It's just funny, is it? Because the mask slips with Tottenham a bit. I didn't record a pod after the United game because just didn't get round to it. Um, so a lot of those kind of thoughts from that are still fresh with me. And I, I, it's probably unfair to really because I thought I thought overall we played very well against Manchester United, and it wasn't an inspired performance from let's be honest, one of the best footballers of all time. Um, whatever you think of him. Um, you know, I mean, debatably, he should be in prison, let alone on a football pitch. But that part aside, just that little, that little yeah. unsavoury bit, it's you know, um, it's very hard to to plan for that, right? It, it, it's well, it shouldn't be. Actually, that's a stupid thing to say. It shouldn't be very hard to plan for the fact that they got Ronaldo on the pitch and maybe close him down, don't let him shoot, yeah. little things like yeah. that. But you know, whatever. Um, but it's still. It, there's always an excuse, right? There's always an excuse as to why Tottenham still don't show up in really those big games against against the kind of top six other than Manchester City, who who we yeah, seem to, yeah. you know, we're just a bogey team for, complete bogey. For them, for Pep Guardiola, whatever, it's there's something about them. But the rest of them, Chelsea, Arsenal, United, we just barely ever show up. And when we do, it's still a bit of a kind of plucky underdog performance often find. Yeah, laboured. You know? Yeah, um, yeah right, we won 6-1 at Old Trafford, but come on, it's behind closed doors. It's it's a completely different thing. You know, it was a weird time. Nobody really knew what was going on at that point, but it still seems to be, most of all, we're meeting these teams in cup finals, cup semi-finals, or games when there's something riding on it, right? It's Tottenham, Manchester United vying for fourth place. Mm. Of course, we're not going to kind of show up and beat them. Yeah. It's it's still that's 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 the main thing, and that's what Pochettino was starting to crack. He was starting to crack that at Tottenham. I just he just seemed to be somebody that just got what the club wore, got what they needed to do, and was just trying his hardest, his hardest to break that to to get yeah. through that. And he he was getting there inch by inch, and obviously it fell away. Toward the end, and I think the the Champions League obviously completely destroyed all sign of that. Um, but yeah, the lack of investment in the project probably didn't help either. Yeah, it's just that we've stuttered. If you've, I don't know if you've ever had a car that's actually completely run out of petrol. It if you put petrol in it, it coughs and splat. Like so, say you've gone down to bone dry. You stop, you go to the petrol station, you get a can, and you start filling up. When you fill your car up again, it sputters for like 
you know, 10 minutes because it's been running on nothing and it's getting fuel back into the system. And we I feel like that's exactly where Spurs are now. You know, we've the fuel is maybe starting to come back into the system and, and starting to make the engine run again. But you can't ever take away the damage that it's done to go completely dry. And I think that's exactly what we did with those 18 months of no signing. That's a very nice metaphor. You've done a good one there. <laughs> Thanks, mate. I'm sure you'll have a mechanic in your uh, mentions going, that doesn't find it doesn't know what he's talking about. That actually, <laughs> that actually, that big sort of <laughs> neckbeard cartoon <laughs> meme thing. If, you, if, if anyone wants to correct me on that, then... Um, Please just send me send me a DM. I will get round to it in a year. So, no, a handwritten letter to PO Box Tom yeah. Foynes. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, yeah, yeah. Um, that, that's what it feels like, though, doesn't it? It feels like we're still in that sputtery stage of trying to get the engine back up and running. And I don't. I just don't think Conte is it. We talked about it before. I don't think he's. I don't think Paratici is it. I don't think he's it. I believe we are a team that needs a certain type of manager and a certain type of approach. And yes, that might mean that we have years where the project falls down. But I can't remember a funk that's lasted as long as this at Spurs in Levy's time. You know, apart from when he first came in, between two thousand and one and sort of two thousand and four or five, when Yol first came in, but you're looking at like, that's like three years, and when you think that we've probably not been great since, well, we haven't been great since twenty nineteen, starting to push three years already. Like, when is this ship going to turn? Well, I mean, like, the, I the horrible, the horrible truth of the matter is, the only reason, I mean, we've got we've got a completely inflated sense of where we are it's a complete it's a false position we found ourselves in for the past few years the only reason we've managed to do all right is because we have son and kane in the team i honestly believe mm-hmm. that like that they, they are they are completely you know they're like the, probably larice in fairness yeah as well. they're like the bane serum to us you know they're they're kind of nice little batman reference there i just watched the batman the other week it's quite good um but they are they're just the shot in the arm that is making Tottenham a much bigger and better beast than they should be at the moment. Um, and I really, you know, I really do, I honestly, for many reasons, but if we lose Harry Kane from this team, I really do worry about where we go because, and this is it, this is why people say, well, why do you want Conte out? Because he's going to go if Conte goes, I don't know. I'm just, a, <laughs> I'm just a fat, hairy man that talks into a microphone. I don't have the answers. I'm not qualified to do any of this shit. I'm just a fucking a, a, a massive opinion. That's all I am. Just here on a swivel chair, blah, 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 into a microphone, tweeting things, silly little photoshops. That's all I am. Will you peek behind the curtain? You've seen The Wizard of Oz, haven't you? You cretins. Like, that's all I am. Stop looking to me to fucking have all the answers, all right? I'm just, I'm just, a, I'm just a, a food tube that has emotions and opinions. <laughs> just a play-doh with a brain. <laughs> just sentient play-doh. 
Oh, oh and at the moment, if I'm played at Tottenham, are pushing me through one of those fucking things, and I'm coming out like you know a big tube of spaghetti, whatever yeah. stuff, star-shaped shite. But <laughs> look, look. Basically, my long and rambling point is Tottenham. Just stop thinking you're a massive club and just just play the hand you're dealt again. Look, we got we got to try. It didn't work with Pochettino, but we still need to do that. We just got to play that fucking rodeo again. We got to build up. Build up, get the momentum, and hope that when we're back in a place where we're actually able to challenge the stuff, we can just get it over the line this time. Yeah. And then when we well, do get it over it. the line, we've got more of a profile, and then that's when we can start being the fucking Billy Big Bollocks Club. But exactly, we're not is this there. not what everyone? This is not what everyone wanted for Pochettino. Like everybody wanted Pochettino to be, be given what he wanted, essentially, and spend some decent money. And have some strategy and have a director of football. Why don't why, we've now got the infrastructure and apparently seemingly have this ring fence transfer fund? Get the poor fa- fucker back. He's not enjoying it in Paris. Nobody is. It's a hell site for a football team. They are. They hate their team for some reason. They're top of the league by four hundred points or something, and they're booing them off the pitch. Like fuck them off. As if Pochettino is sitting there and thinking, yeah, this is this is magic. Like come back. You get given what you should have had in the years that you were here. I honestly wouldn't... I would take another 10 years without a trophy to get back the feeling that Pochettino gave us when he was here. Because it just... It, you can't... What is football without a little bit of hope? Because we are hopeless at the moment. <laughs> that is the worry. We are a hopeless team. I, don't, I can't... Would, would you back the 11 last night to win a cup final? No, absolutely against not. Absolutely anyone not. above... Probably twelfth in the in the Premier League. All right, let's see FA Cup or League Cup final against even this horrible Leicester City side at the moment. I'd still back Leicester against that. Yeah, lot. mass. I'd hundred percent back Leicester. I'd back Villa. Yeah. I'd probably back Newcastle on back Wolves. Form. Yeah, I'd back Wolves. Uh, Southampton probably on current form as well. But <sighs> yeah, I don't know. There's How a. Do we get to- <laughs> I don't know how I got on well, this. Well, it's just, it's, it's very interesting because there is something about Pochettino, there's something about his, I'm obviously a, a, an advocate of Pochettino, but there's I just, I feel that the, the reason why it worked so well, we've left such an impression on him, obviously, and vice versa, is he just was completely the right guy for Tottenham, a club that is so emotional, that is so hell-bent on, <laughs> let's be honest, of of dreaming big, of, of you know, it's um, it, it, it's just that idea, isn't it, of, of, of hope, of hope killing you, but we're just addicted to it, we're just, we, we're so drawn to this idea of, of, and people say all football teams do, but it, but I swear we are, we are different. We are the kind of the club that Liverpool think they are. You know, Liverpool are just a big club. They're just a super club that wins stuff. But they want to, uh, they want to be this club that is seen as oh, we're just, we're just this. They want it all basically. Liverpool are always that team that want. They want to be the plucky underdog. They want to be seen as this club that's fighting adversity and whatever. And I guess maybe part of that has come from just the whatever the the mentality of the people in a part of the country that have seen adversity, that have felt you know awful things happen to them in society, should we say? 
But that doesn't mean that the football club is that. They're just a big fucking football club that wins shit all the time and spends a lot of money, you know? They're kind of, their their years of, oh, we felt the pain of 30 years of not winning the league. Oh, but, you know, we did win the Champions League twice in that time. Twice. Won about four or five FA Cups and, you know, get to fuck. Tottenham and that team were addicted. We're addicted to the 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 hope. Uh, even as much, probably as the pain as much as as much as the the thrill of actually maybe winning something. And Pochettino is that, you know. People, I think people misconstrued a lot of what he said, you know, when he sort of didn't really give much of a fuck about the FA Cup or the League Cup because he he was he was aiming for the big shit. He knew we yeah. had a team that could maybe do it, and we came very close. Um, so I feel that he is. You know, maybe maybe we do give him another go, but I don't. You know, I don't want to be hung up on that. There's other players like players. There's other managers. Ten Hag, maybe he's somebody you could give a go. Yeah, we spoke about Potter. You know, somebody that you could just kind of think, right? This is it. This is four or five years. Like like Liverpool had with Jurgen Klopp. You know, I think we all knew Jurgen Klopp was a was a good manager, but he was probably. Sort of what someone like Ten Hag is now, person personality wise, very different. But the 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 proposition that he was, it was it was probably still a bit of a punt for for Liverpool. He it could have gone yeah. two ways with someone like Klopp, but he's gone on to be probably one of the greatest Klopp. managers that the country's ever seen. You know, yeah, Klopp is alternative unit alternative universe. Pochettino, like Pochettino at Spurs, almost won us the Champions League, almost won us the league, almost won us a League Cup final. You know, and Klopp's actually gone to Liverpool and done all of those things. With I, I agree with you in terms of the money spent and stuff, but he did it by this collective attitude and this way of working that was really all about like the universal energy and. But then on a practical level, like fit players, players that know their jobs, care about what they're doing, connection with the fans. He he just got it over the line and we didn't. And that's fucking typical because we're Spurs and they're Liverpool. And I, I think you're completely think, right. But I'd rather that. I'd You know, the whole aim high, so high that even in failure has echoes of glory, all of that shit. <laughs> you know, I, no, I do agree with it because that's exactly what Pochettino embodied. And that's why so many people loved him. The club loved him. He had no connection with Tottenham whatsoever before he came. But I think if somebody like Pochettino can get all of like the legends of Spurs to be completely like besotted with him because of what he did and the way he spoke and what he tried to do, I think that speaks a lot to the sort of person that he is and the sort of manager he is, even if he didn't win anything. And honestly, just fucking forget the melts on Twitter that are like, oh, everyone just... All the, the soy boys want Pochettino back and all this. It's like, well, yeah, because right now... It isn't as good as when he was here. Like, how is it this? How can we not? Can we not make it any more simple for you? Like, things now. Yes, we've got Conte, but we are really difficult to watch, and there is not a lot to enjoy about the way that we play football, and we're really inconsistent. Yet, Pochettino had a shit end to his his time with us, and plenty of mitigating circumstances for that. If we're in the similar position in a year's time under Conte where we're inconsistent and in sixth place, you know, it's just all more wasted time, isn't it? So I, I'd much rather be doing this with Pochettino with someone who doesn't just keep moaning in the press all the time. You know, I'm perfectly happy with that because I'm sick of the idea that Conte's doing us a favour by putting pressure on the board. 
Oh no. Anyway, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, it, what's Levy going? Levy's going to look at it and go, "Oh damn it!" Like he's not averse to sacking managers. He's not averse to sacking some of the best managers that we've had. Like for, well, for it, reasons. It, this stuff, it all relies on this idea, doesn't it? <laughs> this whole put. There's no right times up for Levy. Time, is it fuck? Like he, they, yeah, he, Tonson, he owns the fucking football club. <laughs> yeah, like these people own the football club. Just because you're angry and we'll hold up a bed sheet outside Hotspur Way, and I don't, no, I don't, I don't mean to sound yeah. wanky about that. People no, are people mean. are allowed to protest and do whatever they want. I'm not going to start digging people out for doing that because they they believe in something. They're getting off their ass and they're going and doing it. They're protesting outside the ground, whether you agree with it or not. Fair enough to them. But what I'm saying is, is you're doing that fine, but they're not obliged to leave the club. They're not. Yeah. Like they, they yeah. just are not. They maybe will sell it to somebody if the right offer comes in, but it just because you want them gone doesn't mean they're going to go. You know, the, yeah. the stadium yeah. is as long as we have Harry Kane, Hummin Son, players like Larice, and at least a, a promise of Tottenham still maybe turning up, putting on a good show. People are still going to go to the stadium because we fucking love it. We love football. We love Tottenham. And that's how owners of football clubs always win. We can talk about mass walkouts. Newcastle, they suffered yeah. under Mike Ashley. They spoke about doing mass walkouts. Isn't that? I think they did it for one game and then they're all back us, in there. Yeah, they and then they're all us, back yeah. in there cheering on their team because that's what we fucking have it's the misery at the end of our fucking weeks you know of yeah it's, it's what brings us all together it's why <laughs> you know like i'm saying why i am this blob of opinion that sits here and does a podcast for nothing yeah i'm not doing a patreon i'm not getting fucking paid for this i still get people say stuff to me every now and again on twitter like you're just doing this for your for what <laughs> for what yeah. like, i've been doing this yeah. for 10 fucking years now i'm just i just i do it because i enjoy it because I enjoy football, because I love Tottenham and I love everything about it. I love the culture around football. And that's why we're trapped. We're trapped with it. But Enica don't have to go anywhere. They don't have to, because none of us want to stop going. None of us want to stop buying the kits, because they look fucking cool. And we want to have a fucking key ring with a Tottenham badge on it, because we're Tottenham fans, you know? We'll buy all the tat, we'll buy all the kits, we'll keep going to the ground, because we're trapped. And that's what it is. And it's not necessarily as bad a thing as it sounds all the time, but it just means that our power ultimately is very limited. But that, again, at the same time, that's what draws you to, to football. The fact our lack of control over this situation is what gives you that buzz. It's what, it's what that exhilaration is about because you're, you're putting yourself completely heart, body, mind, soul, everything to a group of individuals over which you have no control other than being able to shout, sing along, and, you know, perhaps influence it in that way. But ultimately, it's that it's that release, isn't it? When you see <laughs> yeah. the ball hit the net and you know you can just fucking shout and get behind it. And that's that's what, that's what keeps us coming back. Um, on PSG, just quickly, what I did want to say is they are, <laughs> they really are the fetid anus of modern football like they are yeah. to me they are everything and an absolute nothing non-entity club in a nothing non-entity league sorry to any french listeners but let's get real um that thinks it's something that thinks it it has a divine right to win the champions league get real 
You you yeah. really are a nothing club. If if people are talking about Tottenham being a nothing club, I'm sorry, Paris Saint Germain, you are an absolute non-entity, nothing of a football club. You know? Yeah. And this this squealing entitlement from their fan base. I get it, every club wants their their every fan base wants their club to win stuff. But that is manifesting in a particularly <laughs> ugly way. <laughs> yeah. You know? I don't get it. They are winning stuff. They're winning their league, aren't they? At a canter. But they know that's they know that's just not it, right? They know they're cheating. That's it ultimately. They know they're cheating. How do yeah. you how do you derive joy from that? I don't get it. Yeah. Like it's... it does feel as if they're going to the ground just to throw misery onto the players and probably Pochettino. I think it'll be a good fit. Everyone... Get Conte. Get him in. I was just about <laughs> to say, if in the summer everyone got together and fucking grew up, you could sit around a table with PSG and Tottenham and go, you know what, we all want this to happen. Conte probably wants it to happen. Pochettino probably wants it to happen. Let's just leave the financials. No money changes hand. Let's just be happy that everyone gets their man. We'll draw a line under it. Done. And then deal with the fallout afterwards. I think 99% of people are happy. Yeah, the odd person is going to believe that we would have won stuff under Conte. I think they're deluded. You've said it there. We're miles behind Chelsea and City and Liverpool. We all need someone who's here for years. And even if we gave Conte 200 million in the summer and 200 million next summer, that's probably not enough to build a team that you're going to be good enough to challenge. It's just not going to happen. So I want a team that I can watch, identify with, and be excited by and think, oh my God, these players could turn into something really amazing and the team could, you know, challenge again, even if that's just challenging for top four and, you know, the odd FA Cup or something. Everyone would be happy with that. So I, I just think, yeah, grow up and a swap I just think just in closing it's something you said to me around the time we got rid of Pochettino I think maybe in the sort of the morning phase I mean we're still in it but the the, the acute morning phase after he went um, and it was kind of like you know it was just sort of reflecting on his his tenure with us and you can look at this as you know it's his fault we didn't get these things but in that alternate universe, in that kind of, you know, that Klopp universe, in, in the, the multiverse, that's the thing that's very popular now, kind of popularised by sci-fi and comic book fiction. In that multiverse, we could be looking back on very tangibly Pochettino's era as being having won the League Cup, the FA Cup, two Premier League titles and a Champions League. We were, yeah. we were that close to those, to, to that level of glory under this guy, we were that close to it. And people can say what they want about the squad. He he built that squad. He did build it. Yeah, he got yeah. he got lucky with some of the players. Players like Kane, who went on to be an absolute revelation. I get it, right? But at the same time, he got the same amount of money as pretty much any other manager. He got the same level of talent as any other manager did. Redknapp's squad, arguably better. You know, there's, there's still a bit of a debate about that. We've, we came nowhere close to tasting the sort of level of success that we did under Pochettino. And people, yeah. we can on one hand say, you know, this is a guy that didn't manage to get it over the line. He bottled. But it's Tottenham Hotspur he's in charge of. And it's it's, yeah. it's, it's Tottenham Hotspur who are, who are competing with teams with means far above our own. But we still came close to all those things. And I just think if the appetite is there from everybody... 
And if enough dust has settled, why not give that guy another chance? Because I just, I don't think there's anybody else who understands this club, the league, everything about it's just the whole proposition as much as him, you know? One, just this, I think that was a really good point to end on, so I'm going to fucking ruin it um, by asking a question. But I was talking to a friend about this last night. Does head say Ten Hag, heart say Potch? And the reason I ask that is because, as you say, if enough dust has settled, brilliant. But I feel like there's a, a weight of emotional baggage that would come with Pochettino and expectation. You know, if if after a year we've come fifth, you know, the se- the season after we came fifth with in Poch's first season, we we were running with Leicester for the title, and then it was Chelsea season, and you everyone would be like even if it was just at the back of their minds thinking, oh, maybe in a couple of years we could be a tight-winning team, and if we're still floating around in fifth, which is about right for Spurs, you know, is that when pressure's going to come on? Is he not going to feel the same sort of energy, etc.? Do you have any, would you have any fears about that being the case? Like, if he doesn't reach the same heights, is that a worry about his legacy or whatever you might call it? Well, I think there's, uh, strangely enough, because um, I definitely know what you're saying. And I think, it sounds stupid to say, but I think strangely enough, one of my biggest worries would be having Pochettino back whilst we still have Harry Kane at the club. Because I just don't really want to see the fallout between those two. Because if Conte does go this summer, which who knows? I mean, people can say all they want. I've had people say after I've recorded the pod, stop talking about Conte maybe going in summer. You know, he doesn't, but it's a yeah, reality. So like, stop, like you can't police what is a reality. He keeps, yeah, exactly. if the manager himself is talking about this, of course I'm going to respond. Exactly. To it's not yeah. just a fan kind of making up this because I don't <laughs> like him or no. Part of the reason I would be on board with the cunt if he, you know, sorry for my harsh language there, but it, <laughs> I would be more on board with him if he wasn't the one that kept fucking saying this stuff, yeah, you know? Agreed. And that is mostly where it comes from with me, you know? I don't, and also, I don't care. I know Tottenham are shit, but I love them. I don't, it's it's like, you know, it's that whole thing of like, I can say something about my family, but the second someone else does say, yeah, your dad <laughs> is a bit of a twat, isn't he? Then you're like, oh, hang on, hang on a second. And it's just like <laughs> that. I don't want to see this fucking bloke show up and keep calling the club shit all the time. Yeah, I just don't yeah. like it. I don't want to see it. But to the question, um, yeah, I don't know. It's tough because if 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 Pochettino comes in, I would dare say that Kane would want to go. Um, maybe Pochettino is the man to, you know, lead that big, emotional, heavy rebuild. We go again. We've lost our star man, but dad's home to give you all a big hug and build onwards and upwards from that point but again we know Poch is a very emotional guy and maybe that kind of sort of thing would be would be a bit of a it would be hard for him to overcome perhaps I don't know um the fact that Kane wasn't bought into him it might it might mess with him a bit and it you know we might struggle to come to come back from that point and I think yeah just generally on a on a sort of level it would be horrible to see him come back and it for it just to not work you know yeah. it would be it would be miserable to see to see that happen because we've got 
the best period of ever supporting this club, really, under him. Yeah. And it's... I don't know. It, it wouldn't take away from that. I know a lot of people worried about us bringing back Gareth Bale for similar reasons. Um, but it was it was different and it was still good. But it was a different good, you know, when he came yeah. back. And yeah. maybe we could have that with Pochettino. But there is always that, I think, as as creatures, we do sort of quite fancy the unknown a bit, don't we? And yeah. it's sort of the idea of having somebody like Ten Hag, could he be our Jurgen Klopp? Could he yeah. turn us around and do something different with us would be good. But t- to be honest, I-, I wouldn't be disappointed either way if we had Ten Hag or if we yeah, had I agree. Pochettino, you know? I agree. <coughs> but we're just part of the problem. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.